So I want you to come away with me to Matthew the 18th chapter. But before you do that, let me just say today is National Senior Citizen Day. Give all our senior citizens a great big hand. There's a couple of scriptures that, that really sticks out to me when it comes to our seniors, Psalm 71 and 9. It says, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. I want you to remember that. That's Psalm 71 and 9, where it says, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength Take care of your elderly. Don't, don't, don't kick us to the curb and push us aside. You know. And then Psalms 92 and 14, now you might say, well, that, that one didn't, didn't sound really that, you know, a pleasant, Pastor. But, you know, but now Psalms 92 and 14 says, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And they shall be fat and flourishing. So now don't, don't think it's over concerning us now. The elderly still got it going on because they're going to still be fruitful and they're going to be fat. In other words, they are blessed and highly favored of the Lord and they're still flourishing. God, God is still using them. flourishing. Keep on being blessed in the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to Matthew the 18th chapter. We're in our series this month, uh, Marriage Renew. And uh, today I want to talk about, I got three words I want to talk about, and that is forgiveness renews relationships. Say that with me. Forgiveness renews relationships. Now, if you have your iPhone, you can download right there where you don't have to write as much but you want to fill in some things okay so I'm going to do some teaching today maybe not so much preaching but teaching uh, Matthew the 18th chapter verse 23 is where I want to start I'm just going to read you can listen and then we'll talk a little bit amen therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and as he began to begin the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a lot. And since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Lord, don't sell my wife, my children and everything. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I'll pay, I will pay back everything. The servant master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred silver coins. Not 10,000 bags of gold, but a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tormented until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May the Lord I bless him to the readers and hearers of this holy word. Uh, Gerald Leibowitz tells his story on, way, on the way home one night. Uh, he said, I spotted some fresh-cut roses outside a florist shop. And after selecting a dozen and entering the shop, I was greeted by a young saleswoman. Are these for your wife, sir? She, she asked. Yes, I said. For a birthday? She asked. No, I replied. For an anniversary? No, I said again. And as I picked up the flowers and headed for the door, the young woman called out, I hope she forgives you. <laughs> How can a marriage recover from the worst of sins like adultery? Adultery breaks a marriage in a way nothing else can. And many marriages cannot recover from adultery and they end. Jesus even said in Matthew 19 and 9, he said, I tell you that anyone who divorced his wife except for marital unfaithfulness, which is adultery, and marries another woman commits adultery. So Jesus is saying that divorce is permitted in case of adultery. This is permitted but not commanded. I don't want you to miss that. Is committed but not commanded. You understand what I'm saying, right? So we can forgive and be reconciled and stay true to the marriage covenant even after adultery. Now, now I know it's going to be quiet on this part because, you know, uh, when we get feelings involved, we make decisions off of our feelings and not with what God says in his word. A marriage will die without a heavy dose of forgiveness. The failure to give or receive forgiveness probably accounts for nearly every uh, marriage that stops. And how can two people survive together without saying, I'm sorry? Unfortunately, many husbands and wives have a hard time knowing when and how to say these words. And we're going to talk about the steps outlined in a forgiving uh, marriage by Dr. Paul Coleman. Uh, however, uh, these steps need to be put into action in all relationships. 
in marriage, but also in parenting, uh, with the child, good friends, work friends, church friends, all etc. Just it, it works with every relationship. So there are five phases of forgiveness that I want to talk about this morning. If you're taking notes, number one, you ready? First thing we got to do is identify the hurt and feel remorse. It's the first thing you got to do. Identify the hurt and feel remorse. Some people think that feelings are always wrong. And we all have emotions, and the Bible speaks a lot about emotions. Jesus showed emotions, weeping over the death of his friend Lazarus in John chapter 11. Emotions is something that we all deal with. And being angry at the way that the temple had been used, filled with compassion for the sick and the crowd. Jesus was upset the way that they were treating the temple. A well-adjusted person isn't afraid of emotions and realizes that this is a gift of God. God has emotions and we are made in his image. So to feel emotions is to be alive. Are you still with me? Sadly, people often hide or deny their feelings. And many of today's psychologists are convinced that one's emotional intelligence or EQ is far better predictor of life success than one's uh, rational uh, intelligence, IQ. So you have your EQ and you have your IQ. Now the Bible doesn't warn us, uh, it does warn us about using our feelings as the controlling force of our lives. In Jeremiah 17 and 9, if you put that scripture up, it says, The heart is deceitfully above all things and beyond cure. Beyond cure. So who can understand it? Who can understand the heart? No one but God. And see, in relationships headed for trouble, we need to admit and identify our feelings. Yes, there are some situations that we just need to overlook. However, uh, that is what some people do all the time, and this is not good, especially when these things affect the future of other relationships. For example, if you are frightened by your anger, and you may pretend instead that you are just a little annoyed, or you may convince yourself that the hurt against you was no big deal when it was. If you are afraid of admitting your guilt, you may try to assure yourself that someone else made you act that way and that you didn't intend to let things get so out of hand. In other words, you are in denial. And you need to recognize that. And you need to deal with that. Denying our true feelings is not going to help the relationship. Many people in relationships for years, and they won't tell their true feelings in the relationship. Until it blows up, until it is all bit out of shape, and now it got explosive, now you want to tell us your true feelings. 
when you should be, have been building relationship by telling your true feelings day in and day out. Amen. Feeling remorse is an important part of forgiveness. Don't let anybody tell you things are different. Remorse can come about only after you acknowledge your guilt. That's the only time. It shows that you feel bad about your role in the problem and that you wish to have a more caring relationship. Remorse goes beyond feeling of regret. Whereas you feel sorrowful when you regret your actions, remorse goes one step further and points you in the direction of reconciliation. And that's the goal, to reconcile back to your friend or your partner or your, you know, your work uh, uh, friend or whoever the, the relationship is with. It is to reconcile it. It's not for you to come into work and they stay on one side and you stay on the other. It's not for you to come in the house and you don't speak to each other. No, it's for you to reconcile with each other. Amen. And how many people are living separate under one roof? So it's really, remorse is something that we got to have in order that we move to reconciliation. When you are remorseful, you want to do something constructive to begin the healing process. The, go the goal is, the key is, is to start the healing as soon as possible. That's the key, to start the healing as soon as possible. An open wound, an open sore, if it's not attended to, will get larger. Your problem that you're having at home that nobody else sees but your, you and your spouse is going to get larger if you don't attend to it. And when it gets so big, other folks see it. Now you're so ashamed, you don't want to come around anybody. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to be anybody present because that open wound is so big, everybody can see it. It's written on your face. We hear it in your voice. And now you're ashamed. So you don't want anybody to be in your presence. So Paul says something... Similar when he confronts the Corinthians about their sins and this led to a productive change. Look what he says here in 2 Corinthians 7 and 8. He said, even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorrow, but because your sorrow led to repentance. Y'all see that? Yes. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. 
As believers, we got to have godly sorrow. And our godly sorrow leads us to action to bring about reconciliation. If you got a problem with your brother or your sister, the Bible says, go to them and go to them alone. If you got a problem with me, come to me. If I got a problem with you, I go to you. You got a problem with your spouse, go to them. Godless sorrow will work toward reconciliation. The goal is, is to bring about healing. The goal is to mend back together. That's what the goal is. But the enemy make you stand up and say, hmm, I'm not going to forgive them unless they forgive me. They, 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 didn't, they, they act like they don't want to talk. I'm not talking either. They don't want to speak to me. I'm not speaking to them. They don't want to shake my hand. I don't want to shake theirs either. So you know what the enemy comes to do? He comes to separate. He comes to divide. Leave you on this side like this. And leave them on the other side like this. I'm not moving. I'm standing my ground. You mean to tell me you've been in that house two weeks and you all haven't spoken to one another? What kind of anointing you got? You can pass by your spouse for two whole weeks and not say a word. You go to your job, you're speaking to everybody. Hi, hi, good morning. How y'all doing? I, oh, it's a great day, isn't it? Go back home, won't say a word. I don't understand that. What kind of anointing you got? Huh? Speak to everybody else. But you can't speak to the one that you said that God put you all together. And you made a vow before God and everybody else. And it looked like you just couldn't get enough of one another before the man can get the words out of his mouth. Yes, I do. <laughs> Hold up, I'm not finished reading you. I will. Yeah. Couldn't get the vows out good enough. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Later on down the road, hallelujah, I won't, I don't. So number one, we got to what? Come on, class. Identify the hurt and feel remorse. Now, you know when you done hurt somebody. You know when you done caused pain in that home. You know you intended to say those hurtful, painful words. Cause some of y'all, y'all can say some hurtful stuff. And, and, and forgive me, ladies, but you all can think twice as many words than what we can think of. Now, if you want to play this game, the hurtful game, now, buddy, you about to get into a show enough game. 
But that girl been rehearsing in her mind while she was asleep what she going to say to you. And, 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 and listen, when, when a woman says, excuse me, boy, you about in trouble now. Say what? I know you did not. And they start looking like that. What do we have here? And then when they say, oh, we're going to go there? We, 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 we get ready to go there? Huh? We, we, you want to do this? Well, I, 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 like I was saying, baby, I, 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 <laughs> All right, let me go on, let me go on, let me go on. Let me go to number two, let me go to number two. Let me go, let me go, let me move on. Let me go. Forgiveness renews relationship. Number two, you got to have confessing and confronting. Say that with me, confessing and confronting. Now, whether you are the one who need to confront or the other person about the hurt against you or the one who needs to confess to the pain you cause, there is no avoiding confessing or confronting if there is to be a healing of the relationship. Amen. You got to confess and you got to confront. Right. Well, you know, I, I don't really feel like to. Oh, no. You got to talk. You're not going to get anywhere if you're not going to talk. You act like you don't forget how to talk. You were talking up something when we were dating. Now you're going to act like you don't know how to talk. Well, ask God to loose that tongue. Let's talk. So let's deal with it. The first one is confessing. In confession, you admit your responsibility for the hurt, for any hurt you cause. All right? You got, you got to admit your responsibility. Now, this is, this, is, this is hard for some of us to do. We got pride, especially men, you know. We got pride. A lot of us got pride. So it's hard for us to confess our part. Now, we know everybody else's part. I can tell you what he did. I can tell you what she did. But now, what did you do? Well, I ain't do nothing. Okay, now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. All right? So you got to admit your responsibility for any hurts that you caused. So you own up to your guilt and the fact that you violated a re the relationship you were committed to. In other words, you blame no one but yourself for what you did. What did I do? Hmm? I, mean, I didn't really tell a lie. I just refrained from telling the truth. See, when you confess, there is a surrender. Write that down. When you confess, there is a surrender. You no longer fight to pretend that you are innocent of wrongdoing. You make no excuses. You give up fighting on the side of defensiveness and false pride. And you surrender to the freedom that honesty provides you. So you give that up. And when marriage is involved, we're, we're kidding ourselves if we believe we can hold back from confessing our serious sins and not see the relationship suffer. If you hold back and you don't confess what you're doing, it is going to suffer. Amen. 
You know, when you go to the doctor, they ask you all kinds of questions. Why do they ask you questions? They're trying to get to the root of the problem. They ask you all kinds of questions. Well, what did you eat last? When did you eat it? How much of it did you eat? Huh? What's your intake of this? What did you do? What's your exercise regimen? They ask you all, well, then they even start asking your family history. Because if your daddy got it nine times out of ten, or if your mama got it, that's why the insurance people be asking you about your parents, because they, they, they sizing you up to whether they're going to give it to you or not for whatever price. So if you're doing that and you're talking about your health, what about your relationship? You gotta ask questions. Well, we ain't gonna deal with that right now. We ain't gonna do it. Well, I tell you what, I, we'll talk about that later. And later never comes. See, it get on my nerves when folks talk about, you know, they, we'll talk about it later and you just suffer from amnesia. Did I say that? Did I say we're gonna talk about it later? Yes. I recorded you. This is your voice, right? You got to talk. You cannot put it off and expect it to get better. You got to confess your part. In a similar way, our relationship with God, we need to confess our sins. When we confess our sins, we take ownership for our sins. You know, God knows we have done this and our, you know, being fake with him will only make the relationship worse. You, you, can't, you, you can't fake God out. And you know, you can only fool people uh, maybe for a little while. And most women, you can't fool them because they ask so many questions. See, man, you would have got away with it if she just didn't ask so many doggone questions. She always got to ask all these questions. Now look what Proverbs 28 and 13 said. Look at this here. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whosoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You got to confess them and renounce them. If you try to hide them, you will not prosper. That's what it means, conceal. You try to hide your problem. That's why it's, it's very important when you're talking about marrying somebody to get counseling because some people, they come in hiding stuff. And you need a counselor that's going to ask all of the tough questions. I'm talking about even the embarrassing questions. Embarrass me up front so I won't be mad later. Embarrass me up front so I won't regret later. I'm just trying to help you. So, 
We got to learn how to confess. And then the second part is, is confronting. Say that with me, confronting. If you have been deeply hurt and perhaps betrayed and you wish, to, uh, wish the relationship to be healed, you must confront the other person with your feelings of hurt and anger. You got to tell them, hey, that hurt me. And I'm upset with you right now. And you must also let that other person know that your motives for the confrontation is to heal the relationship. I'm coming to you to talk to you so we can heal our relationship. Right. You pushing it off because you don't want to talk, but I'm coming to you because I want to heal our relationship. How are we going to heal it if we don't talk? How do you know what you did wrong, I did wrong, if we don't want to talk? Mm-hmm. Open your mouth and talk. You know how to talk. You talk, when you talk to the TV when you sitting there watching it. Man, I could have caught that pass. Man, would you pass the ball? You're just talking to the TV. Ain't nobody talking back. <laughs> throw the ball, man. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. You're going you're gonna to get sacked. Throw the ball. you just sitting there just talking to the TV. And you can't talk to your wife, but you can talk to a television? made some folk mad in here today. I don't buy it. Ladies, do y'all buy it? I don't buy it. If he can talk to TV, he can talk to you. Because the television ain't going to talk back. Maybe that's why you want to talk to the television. So like confessing, confronting is rarely easy or comfortable. It's not easy to confront. It don't feel good to confront. It's not a good feeling. Oh, Lord, I got to go here and talk to Veronica. And I know she's going to ask me a million questions. Huh? But we got to confront. It may be an uncomfortable situation now, but it's best to work it out up front instead of down the road. Now we're just trying to fix and patch up, trying to make it a little better, and it's all out of whack. Got to learn how to confront. Sit down and say, listen, let's talk about this. But you got to understand, nothing worthwhile come easy. See, the purpose in confronting is not merely to communicate your feelings, but also to set an example for how you want the relationship to be for, from this point on. This is how we're going to deal with this. I'm not boring you, am I? Man, I wish you'd talk to me early because, man, my situation all jacked up. See, an example of confrontation in the Bible is when Nathan confronted David with his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Y'all remember that story? See, Nathan was so concerned about David at the expense of his own life that he confronted him. Thankfully, David did respond with repentance and a desire for reconciliation with God and others. Tough situation, but isn't that what friends do? See, David, he as a king could have cut Nathan off. Could have had him killed. But Nathan was such a friend to the king that he said, I got to tell him. 
I got to tell him about his role. I cannot sit here and let that go on knowing that he's wrong. Now, follow the guidelines of Matthew 18. Uh, I mean, I'd already made some people mad first day, but um, we're going that way, so. Uh, ma- ma- Matthew 18. Yeah, look at this. I told you I'm just going to teach. 1815. Look at this. What it said now. If your brother sins against you, y'all, y'all with me? Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. I'm reading out a different version in the King James. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now you get mediation. You get somebody else involved so that, hey, what you're saying is true. I heard what you said. Yes, it's established that that's what they said. No, that's not what they said. I was there. And so if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. See, now we got a problem. Because if we tell it to the church, you leave it. But if every church was solid as it should be, when you come there, they ask where you come from. And they will go back and say, hey, why are they coming over here? Well, we told their sins to the church because they tried to go to them one-on-one. They went and got two, three witnesses. They went before the elders of the church. Now we got to put them out there and let the whole church know that they don't want to stop. Let me finish reading that out. Say, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And y'all know what we feel about tax collectors. (laughs) Treat him as a pagan, a non-believer. Now you got all those chances to get it right, and you don't want to get it right. The Bible says, expose them. But in the church that we have today, the liberal churches we got today, you can't do that because folk wear their feelings on their sleeves. I can't believe they did him like that. I can't believe they put her business out there like that. No, we put the business out there like that because they were going through the church. They were messing with his wife. They were messing with his wife. They were messing with his wife. And so, yeah, we told them that, that, hey, don't mess with him. Don't fool with him. Danger, danger, danger. Wouldn't you want us to tell you if somebody is messing up folks' lives? And if you rebuke them openly like that, they, the other ones say, oh, no, I ain't doing that. Right, right. In other words, what the scripture is saying that out there on the bulletin board, you take a picture of them and you put up their most, like the most wanted people. <laughs> That's what it's saying. You put their picture out there and say, boy, this person right here. Yeah, you put their mugshot up. So have a conversation about this, just the two of you. 
as much as possible, this conversation needs to be about speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4 and 15. So some guidelines here. You ask the other person if it's a good time to talk. You stay open to understanding their side. You allow the other person to express their response and feelings. Even so, keep speaking your truth. Stick to the facts as much as possible. Use I statements. Try to speak about what you have done and how you feel. Keep it brief. You ain't got to tell the whole story. All right, in the beginning. No, just keep it brief. Huh? And possibly have to talk about this again or another time, but just stick to one subject. Own up to and any part that you have in the problem. Ask what you want and need from this point on. I'm telling you how to have a conversation. If no changes, then move on to step two. Under Matthew 18, say bring someone else into the picture. It could be a Christian counselor. It could be a trusted family member. It could be someone in the church. If no changes happen, then tell this to the church elders. If nothing else, they can pray for you. Hesitant to bring family matters before a whole church, but, a, 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 but abide by what the elders request. So there is a system in place from the Bible. There's an order how we are supposed to deal with problems in the church. And we don't want to follow the order. Because we wear our feelings on our sleeve. And nobody wants to deal with it. Oh, don't do that. They got children. How his wife going to be? He should have thought about that before he did it. A lot of people, they do things, they selfish. They didn't think about their family. They didn't think about their wife. They didn't think about their church. They did it because they wanted to do it. It was a selfish move. Bishop, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. I can commit much sin as I want. Hallelujah. And I'm still saved. I can fornicate and commit adultery as much as I want. And still be an usher. Still sing on the praise team. Still be in leadership. Who they going to tell me? You're supposed to be an example. You're supposed to be an example. All right. I'm not going to finish all five of these, but I'll give you one more. Uh, that's all I got for today. So challenging conversation. Number three is challenging conversation. Say that with me, challenging conversation. See, after confession or conf confrontation has occurred, you need to have a constructive exchange of personal thoughts and feelings. Reason for these challenging conversations is to try to gain a better understanding of how and why the hurt came about. How did this happen? How did I hurt my wife so bad? How did I hurt my husband so bad? How did this happen? How did this come about? Because it had to start somewhere. How did I hurt my friend? How did they hurt me? How did I hurt my daughter? Or how did I hurt my mama? How did we get here? So we got to get a 
better understand. To, to better you understand each other, the more you'll be able to contend with future problems in the relationship. So I got to understand you. You got to understand me. So we'll be able to, when it, stuff come up in the future, we'll be able to deal with it better. Because I'm getting, I'm understanding you. You know, the Bible says, and all I get is get an understanding. Is that what it say? And when we stay in difficult uh, conversations, we increase the probability that the relationship will be restored. By staying in a challenging conversation until you reach an understanding, you will discover that there was more going on with each of you than you knew. You may discover just how much you mean to each other. Because you had a decent, challenging conversation. Your conversation has to be challenged. And from these conversations, we need to come up with a plan of action. What do we do now? We done confronted. We've challenged. We done had these conversations. What do we do now? We found out what hurt us. What do we do now? Isaiah 1 and 18 says it like this. Put that up on the screen. It says, come now. Y'all see that? Let us what? Says who? Uh-huh. God say, come now, let us reason together. I didn't say it, but God said it. All your anger, all your disappointment, all of your feelings and emotions, he said, hey, let's come together and reason with each other. Quiet as a cap, you can solve all of your problems. But you got to obey God. You got to listen to God. It can't be. Your problem is solvable. I don't care how big it is. It's not bigger than God. Your problem not bigger than God. There's no problem that's so big that it surprised God. God said, oh, I didn't see that coming. You can't surprise God. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. And he sees everything. He's omnivisual. Are you following? Wise woman said, a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Let me ask you something. If you're married in here, are you married to a good forgiver? And if you're married, are you a good forgiver? A good marriage is consisted of two good forgivers. I'm a good forgiver. Let me put it like that. She's a good forgiver. We've, we've been practicing this a long time. Next month will be 40 years. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get to the other two, but I promise you I, I'll come back next week and give you, give you the other two. But let's see here. So the first thing we got to do in renewing our relationship 
What's the first thing we got to do? We got to identify the hurt and feel remorse. Because, you know, some of y'all, y'all know what hurt, but you ain't remorseful about it. Ah, uh, yeah, I did it. I'm glad I did it. You stuck the knife in and just twisted it. No, you got to be remorseful. Once you come into the truth, oh, baby, that hurt you. I'm so sorry that that hurt you. Uh, listen, I'm going to work on that. Help me. In that. No, you don't say, yeah, I did it. No, you identify the hurt and you feel remorse. You feel remorse to the point where you are willing to work on it and make it better. All right, what was number two? All right, you got to confess and confront. All right, it's all right to confess that you were wrong. And I know some of y'all in here, y'all perfectionists, and you always, you know you always right. You always right. Even when you're wrong, you try to justify your wrong. Well, see, the reason why I, I did it like that, I know it sounded like it was wrong, because, see, you know, loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right, you know, and... What? What? So we got to confess. Then we got to confront. Now, I, I'm telling you, that is not the easiest. Listen, when we have intense fellowship, man, that's not the easiest thing. I been sitting in my mind. I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Because if I say it the wrong way, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. I be going through my mind, okay, how I'm going to say this, how I'm going to fix it, how I'm going to do this. But you got to confront. Now, see, you can't get in front of the children and get in front of your, their friends and just blast them out, house full, y'all having a, you know, something going on in the house, and, and you just blast them out in front of everybody. You know, y'all cooking together, you know, whatever like that. Get the bread out the oven. You, this is, that's why I don't like to cook with you. You always burning up stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Y'all know my saying, right? Y'all got it down pat. I know you do. What I say? You praise public and you correct in private. Say that again. You praise in public and you correct in private. One more time for those that hadn't heard it before. You praise in public and you correct in private. Wait till everybody else leave and say, baby, you know, we talked about this. You know, you got to set the timer so that you won't, you know, uh, burn the bread. You know, oh, baby, I forgot. Him. Okay, you need to help me, you know, set the timer. See, that's better than you blasting them out in front of everybody. So you bless them out in front of everybody. They might respond and say something really private that you didn't want everybody else to know. And then, then they're going to tell you, well, you started this. Right? So we got we to learn how to do it right. I'm just trying to help you have better marriages and those of you that are not married, you, you show enough need to be taking these notes. So confess and confront. And then the last one was, I ain't messing with you, Angie. No, and the last one is, is challenging conversations. 
You got to have those challenging conversations. It's not easy. But let's talk about it. And it's not just only in marital relationships. It's in other relationships. It's kind of, you know, especially, you know, if you got to address something with your your mom and, you know, you want to be respectful, you got to address something that was not cool, you're trying to find, how do I challenge that? Even the day is Senior Citizen Day, and, you know, you're trying to be respectful for your elders. You're trying to find a way how to say it so it, you know, won't come off that you're trying to belittle them or you're trying to come at them. you got to be respectful with it. But you got to learn how to have a challenging conversation so that conversation can come out right so that we can bring about healing. Right. Amen. Amen. And, 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 yeah, thank you. And then, then you know... The wife has got to respect the husband. The husband has got to respect the wife. So when we're having this challenging conversation, it is to bring about healing, not to separate us. And don't cop out and say, since you don't want to talk, well, we'll talk about it later. No, later might never come. Let's do deal with it now. Now, I understand some things that you got to, you know, you got to back off from. If you're heated, you're about to throw something. Yeah, we need it. We need it. We need, we need to kind of back off right now. Let me let you calm down because I don't need you throwing nothing at me and I don't need to be throwing nothing at you. Listen, I don't understand. How y'all break up all that furniture and y'all got to go buy some more? That stuff costs money. Put that lamp down. That stuff costs money. And sheetrock is high now. It's about three times. But don't put that hole in that wall. Sheetrock is high. Are y'all hearing me in here? Don't burn my shoes up. Them things cost money. Huh? I'll fix her. I'll burn up all her wigs. Mm, I'm going to let you go out just like that. I'm going to let you go out just like that. Then. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll fix you. I'll fix you. So now, so now these three things are very critical when we're talking about forgiveness. And I got two more I need to talk about, but I ain't going to talk about it today. But this is very critical when we're talking about forgiveness. Because forgiveness renews the relationship. It will renew your relationship when you learn how to forgive each other. And it's not just a marriage. If I had it out with one of my leadership or brothers, if we learn how to forgive, it's going to renew our relationship. Now, remember this. I tell you this all the time. I'm telling you again. All of our relationships are going to be tested. But when the test comes, don't let the test cause our relationship to rip and you you go down the road this way and I go down the road. No, 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 no. We need this test is to renew our relationship so that we can walk together even closer. Because we're going to come together and we're going to get an understanding. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to challenge this thing. And we're going we're to talk about it. And we're going to get it together. Amen? You all right? Did you enjoy the teaching today? Did it bless you? All right. Okay. Everybody stand. Because we got a few more other things we got to do. I hope I didn't, didn't, didn't go too long. I had to cut it off with the five. So I, I'll, I'll come back next week, I promise you. You be here. You be here. We're going to talk about it.
And this is critical. You need to get these other two. Don't you leave with the three. You get the other two. They're going to bless you real good. So, honey, we can't miss next week because I got to have this. I got to have this. Would you bow your heads with me? Forgiveness renews relationships. You know, Jesus has forgiven us. And we know that by what he did voluntarily on the cross. He died for our sins. He rose on the third day for our justification. If you're here today and say, you know what, Bishop? I need to renew my relationship with the Lord. I really do. I need to restore. I need to renew my relationship with God. He has forgiven me so many times. And today I really believe that I need to renew my relationship with God. I need that in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up like I got mine lifted up? If you're here, you say, I need to renew my relationship with God. Thank you, sister. Anybody else that need to renew a relationship with God? Renew your relationship with God. Renew your relationship with God. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Bishop, I really believe that God is leading me to this. This is a great church. It's a teaching church. I need to do some work where I can be taught. The love of God is in this place. And I believe God got my interest at heart by being a part of the family of God. If you need a church home today, would you just lift your hand uh, while we're standing here? Anybody? Anybody that can lift your hands? Let's give God praise for her. Sister Angie, would you stand with her? And uh, Sister Philip, will you stand with her? And uh, you stand with her. I really feel strong about this today. Forgiveness is a powerful word. Not only just a word, but it's a powerful action. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him listen he did it because he loves us grandson said you're doing it because you love me Christ did everything that he did because he loves us 
You know what I'm asking the Lord to do? This is my, my prayer. Lord, I know, you know, he sung this song a long time ago. Lord, make me over. But that's kind of like a, a national anthem or spiritual anthem or something. I don't know about you, but every day I need God to make me over. I really do. And that's where we are. We're going to pray with them. Could, could you pray with her? I don't know exactly what, you know, she's needing God to do, but I really feel strong that you came because you just need your life restored. And God is asking you to give him your full attention. And if you're willing to do that, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray in general, but I, I need you all to just minister to them for just a moment, okay? Everybody in the order, just point your hand in this direction as they minister to them. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you for them coming. They need you to restore them. They need your forgiveness. They have thought about their lives, and today is a new day for them. So we're asking you, Father, if you will just touch and move on their behalf. They showed a step of faith by coming and saying, God, make me over. Do what you will in my life. What they're saying by coming is I need you now. I need you now in my life. So as we pray for them, we pray that renewal is sure in their life. We pray that restoration has finally come. We pray that you have re reconciled them back to you. So we thank you for it right now. Thank you that you didn't turn them over to the will of the enemy. Thank you that you, you just, you drew them out just in time. So touch this sister, touch this sister, and touch this sister. Today is their day for God to move mightily. So we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name, it is so. And all of God's people say amen. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise. Amen.